Welcome to Corpus Christi Anglican Church. I'm Morgan, our planting clergy. Our vision of this church is to become a common people in common prayer for uncommon transformation. This podcast is where you will hear our sermons and other teachings that have happened at Corpus Christi. We primarily serve the region of Springfield, Franconia, and Kingstown. We're glad that you're here. Thanks for taking time to listen. Here's the message. Reverend Susan Rockwell is a, an active participant here at the, in the life of Corpus Christi Anglican Church. And uh, she's a priest in our diocese and a chaplain um, with the Fairfax City Fire Department. And um, really grateful to have her uh, give her the opportunity this morning to share a word um, on this fourth Sunday of Advent where we focus on the Annunciation, this word of Gabriel to Mary uh, and her obedience. And so I want to invite you to come up, Reverend Susan. Thank you for sharing uh, with us this morning. Please pray with me. Take my lips that I may speak only the truth of your word through them. Take our minds and prepare them to receive your word. Take our hearts and set them on fire with love for you. In the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Once again, in this season of Advent, we've had the scriptures read and the word preached to help us focus on ways of preparing our hearts to receive Jesus. I suspect that this miraculous event in its simplicity, yet unimaginable fact, is assisted by our traditions. The familiar music and scriptures, closeness of family, all of this to help us get to the nugget we're trying to wrap our minds around. To help us get to the nugget, we're trying to wrap our minds around. The Son of God, born as a human baby, Emmanuel, God with us. In my quiet time with the Lord, as I concentrate on the incarnation, my human brain often gets stuck. My emotions run ahead of my mind. Sometimes I'm overwhelmed with a mixture of emotions. And the Holy Spirit always comes alongside and provides his peace. I still don't understand completely, but I'm able to be at peace and to let go of my need to understand everything completely. Incidentally, isn't that how the Christian life is lived day by day? Mystery upon mystery, with God through the Holy Spirit, without my input or my understanding. I read today the Gospel from Luke. It's so familiar. In fact, we affirm its truth every week in the declaration and affirmation of our faith in the words of the Nicene Creed. In the power of the Holy Spirit, he became incarnate from the Virgin Mary and was made man. In Luke's gospel account, he gives us a look into Mary's spiritual thoughts and her character. The angel Gabriel was sent from God, and coming in, he said to her, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. 
Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your womb and give birth to a son, and you shall name him Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. But Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I am a virgin? The angel said to her, The Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. For that reason also, the Holy Child will be called the Son of God. And Mary said, Behold, the Lord's bondservant, may it be done to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. I have never gotten over that quiet, confident response from Mary. There was possibly much hard work involved in Mary to enable her to hear the angel Gabriel, to receive his words in confidence and grace, and to humbly agree to be available to God. Her humility, her quiet acceptance are themselves beyond my understanding. And being a woman, probably about 15, the age of marriage in her culture, she was certainly not aware of the quiet suffering she would endure for the rest of her life. Without understanding, for the sake of God, her son, and her limited understanding of the importance of his mission in the world. It has been my desire to know more about Mary, Jesus' mother. Since I grew up very Lutheran, a German Lutheran, and a student of Martin Luther's catechism, my tradition did not explore or teach very much about the person of Mary. For Protestants, regular mention of Jesus' mother was limited to words of the Apostles and the Nicene Creeds. It did not include the reciting of special prayers using a rosary. It did not include statues of Mary or various holy medals worn by friends and cards and medals affixed to hospital beds and on patient gowns as reminders to pray. Mary simply was not real to me. She was an idea. Mostly, she was a statue and someone my Roman Catholic friends prayed to. Though I respected her place in the liturgy, I didn't comprehend her or her exalted place of honor as the Queen of Heaven. The silence around her made me wonder why my family and my church considered conversations about the Blessed Virgin Mary off limits. As Mary had indeed been chosen by God to carry the child who would become the Savior, all people, for all time, for all sins, past and present, I wanted to scratch the itch. It was mostly curiosity, but also a sense that Mary had been given incidental treatment by my Protestant brothers and sisters. How can this person, specifically chosen and asked by God to participate in such a significant way in God's redemptive plan, be almost marginally acknowledged? and relegated to a statement. That's a very true statement, but a statement in the creeds. In our study of the Catechism, we have learned about the different ways the Protestant Reformation Church 
in England and in the rest of Europe developed. Looking back at 500 so more years of church history, we can see ways that Mary and the other saints of the church were viewed. Mary had a unique place in the salvation of God. Without her, there is no incarnation. Jesus was made from her flesh with no contribution from a human male. God provided what was necessary to create the incarnate Son of God. God to be made flesh from her flesh. When we have commemorations of Mary, they are unique and simple, precisely because of her relationship to the incarnation. She is the bearer of God. Because she was chosen by God to be the bearer of the Savior, she was and is and always will be highly blessed by God. She is the Blessed Virgin Mary. Learning who Mary is to God is humbling. Her life was perfect in God's eyes. We have er the words of an early Syriac father and Orthodox writer, Jacob of Sarog, in his homilies entitled Concerning the Blessed Virgin Mother God of God, Mary, in which he writes, The Holy Virgin calls me today to speak of her. Let us purge our hearing for her luminous tale, lest it be dishonored. Our Lord, descending to earth, beheld all women. He chose one for himself, who among them all was pleasing. If another had pleased him more than she, he would have chosen that one. He looked on her humility and her gentleness, her purity, and he dwelt in her, because it is easy for him to dwell with the humble. She was a person of discernment, full of the love of God, because our Lord does not dwell where there is no love. Additional thoughts from Jacob of Sarah's homily compares the actions of Eve to the actions of Mary. The evil time that had killed Adam was changed. Another good time came in which Adam would be raised. The building that the serpent pulled down, Gabriel built up. Mary rebuilt the foundation that Eve broke down in Eden. Additional insight into Mary's thoughts and spiritual life is found in the Magnificat, that tender, confident, sublime, and insightful song in Mary's own words. The joyous declaration of her faith. Recited to her cousin Elizabeth, Mary's beautiful poem exalted a very personal God and not a remote or distant deity. God was her savior. Because scripture has few records of Mary's word, this song in Luke's gospel gives us her deepest thoughts as she contemplates the meaning of this miraculous pregnancy. Christians have been assisted in their faith by singing inspired hymns, joy, and praise from the beginnings of Christianity. And one of the most famous and quietly powerful psalm-like hymns is the Magnificat the song that came from the lips of the Virgin Mary to her cousin. 
we learn in the Magnificat that for Mary, God's enemies have already been vanquished in the person of the Savior within her. Mary knew, based on her familiarity with the prophecies and the Psalms about the Messiah, that the head of the serpent was already being crushed by the Savior she was carrying in her womb. Just as Christ elevated the fallen Adam, Mary's baby would elevate Eve. Mary knew that this baby would fulfill Old Testament prophecies. Mary's trust and obedience to God would restore the pathway to Eden, back to the tree of life, which is Christ. All fallen humanity through Christ would be restored back into full fellowship with God. While Mary meditated quietly on the enormity of these events and thoughts, her life was the life of an ordinary mother in Nazareth with a son to raise with her husband Joseph. She washed and mended her son's clothes. She cooked and cleaned, carried water from a well for her household. She probably had a small garden where she could grow vegetables. If her husband grew wheat, Mary ground it for the family's daily bread. Her life was simple and humble. She mainly stayed in the background and washed and prayed. Jesus' religious education was not her responsibility. Fathers taught their sons the Torah, the prayer said in the home, the story of the exodus and freedom from slavery through the Passover. Mary prepared the Sabbath meal and lit the Sabbath candles as she said the prayers that officially began the Sabbath. Why are these things important for us to know? Why is Mary blessed among women? And why is the Annunciation central to the Gospel? This was my question for most of the early part of my adult life. Who is this mysterious person? What makes her life important to me and to us today? If we read about Mary, as we have this morning, what can we expect God to show us? More importantly, how might it change our lives? Here are a few things we know. There's often a price to pay for being available and willing to say yes to God. The price will often be inconvenient, sometimes out of our comfort zone, sometimes sacrificial of our time and resources, often messy. God brings us to people who aren't like us, people we don't necessarily want to be around. It is messy business to say yes to God. It isn't clean and tidy to step into ministry with God. The good thing about the risk of being available to God is that he is faithful to provide all that we need to do what he's asked to do. Our knees may buckle at the task, but he never leaves us without his grace. We can be confident in him. What we need, he does provide. In his love, God presents us with many new opportunities to serve him. He offers us an intimacy with him that is deeper than flesh and blood. If we surrender to this perfect love, God promises we will be Jesus' brothers and sisters, his mother, 
it feels risky to let go of the tiller, the sail, the oars, the bicycle handlebars, the steering wheel, anything we want to hold on to for our security. But when we do, even with shaking knees and faint hearts, we learn the truth that perfect security is Jesus Christ. Finally, from the Anglican Compass, an online guide to Anglicanism, James Hodges writes, She held in her body the one who held up the stars. She bore the one who bears our sins. She nursed the word through whom the universe was made. The founder of the church played in her lap. If our aversion to holding up certain saints as exemplary forces us to stop gazing at Mary and see the wondrous mystery of the incarnation, then we have let fear rob us of this joyous contemplation. And now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory of the church and in Christ Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Mm-hmm.